Ready? This is a round robin, right? Round robin, baby. Anybody yeah. see the last one, by the way? Yeah. yeah. That's funny because still not a lot of likes. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Yippee-ki-yay, mother... Welcome to Yippie Kaye Mother Podcast Round Robin Edition. I'm Ralph Quattrucci. I'm Sean Paul Murphy. I'm Deborah Murphy. I'm John Quattrucci. And I'm Chris Coker. Hey, everybody. Good week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought, I thought you and uh, Chris would be in the same place again. What's up? That was, uh, that was a good show. Uh, that was a good uh, bit. Good. I bit. actually liked it so much that Chris even lent me his, uh, Streets of Fire DVD Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, did I you appreciate it, it more saying I, it that way? I, I, it looks better for sure. And I, the yeah. two documentaries look pretty interesting too. So thank you, Chris. And, for those. and Michael Perret was better in it. He looks time. great in the, in the doc. I don't know when they shot the doc, but he looks great in the doc. Yeah. He really does look good. Well, he's Tom Cody. And then I sent Chris uh source code. He hadn't seen source. I haven't code. had a we chance to that. sit down and watch it. Yet. We did have fun. We played a game at his house. We had a little happy hour at his house. I think the night after. I don't want to hear what you look tame the game. No, that we you played, played blocks, after we got a, off the show. All right. No. I, this is not that no, kind no, of No, listen podcast, to this. This is right? a fun game. It's called it was a blockbuster game, like the score. Yeah. It was awesome. But we we got to act that. out movie scenes and stuff. It was fun. Uh, you acted out movie scenes? I didn't do a good job. <laughs> Maria didn't know what the hell I was doing. We blocked that game. We haven't played it yet. Man, that sounds awesome. like fun. I would love that. It is. It's it's kind of fun. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. Why don't we when we get together for our big hundredth podcast, why don't we plan on doing that? Sure. Let's yeah, be, do it instead of a movie. It'd be fun. That would be it's great. Quick. Oh, All that right. would be. Speaking of which, let's do what'd you watch? What'd you watch? John, what'd you watch? Well, okay. So um first of all, I started watching The Batman. Okay. And I gotta be honest with you, after about an hour and fifteen minutes, I shut it off because I, I just couldn't watch it. It was it was too dark and plotting. Um, well, you had seen that in the theater. I know, right? and oh. I liked it actually. But watching it on HBO Max, I ugh, I didn't like it. Oh wow! Um, so, in preparation for the '80s action theme, which is what we're talking about today, uh, I went through a list of the '80 best action movies, and one of them was Terminator 2: Judgment Day, which I just watched yesterday. Um, and that movie still holds up. It's uh, the action in that movie is fantastic. James Cameron, he's a bear to work with, but the guy knows how to shoot action. Uh, Linda Hamilton was great in it. Uh, Schwarzenegger was, was also great in it, but I just love that movie. Robert Patrick playing that t- Terminator, the way he ran. Uh, I, I just love that movie and it absolutely still holds up today and was as good as when I first saw it uh, back then. So that's what I was. Really, as good as, because when I first saw that movie, it blew me away. Like, blew me. I couldn't get over the stuff he was pulling off in that. And that's the one that has the guy that turns into the floor, right? Yeah, the liquid metal. And that was the after, T-1000. was that after Abyss or before Abyss? That was after Abyss. Yeah, so he did. He Once learned they all did that the stuff Abyss, watching. they realized they could do it. Right. Yeah. And I remember watching that going, holy cow, that's yeah. amazing. That liquid metal stuff was just. That um, was uh, morphing. They first of all. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was so much better than the, the Abyss. The Abyss was such a cool movie. They just didn't know how to end it. Yeah. No, you was, ever seen the making of that movie? You ever seen the making of that movie? Yeah. And what a hard shoot that was? Yeah. Ed I Harris was pissed. Yeah, he was because uh, Marley Maitland, uh, not Marley Maitland. What the hell's her name? Uh, Mary Beth Marianne Strong. Yeah. Or whatever. 
She, they, that scene where they ripped open her shirt and yeah, were trying she, to get her. She's drowning. Well, they she did drowning. that over and over yeah. again. That's when Harris blew up on James Cameron. Yeah. But, uh, but this movie, I just, in fact, just like I said, I just watched it and it still had the same beats. I still really enjoyed it. Um, it was just a, it's just a really good action movie. It really it's is probably one, of the, one of the best action films of the decade. One of the best. <laughs> it, well, John. this is again, when one. we do these, when we do these round robins and these, um, you know, these genres are the, the category. It's amazing. Yeah. How, when you, because we all do it, find me the 15 best, whatever, because right. you want to pick a good one. And then you find stuff that you forgot about, which is what I do. Yeah. And I'm glad I did it. So Sean and Debbie, what'd you watch? Well, I don't think Debbie watched much. Um, I but, think Debbie has her own uh, agency. She could speak for herself, couldn't she? What? What did you watch, Debbie? Uh, let's see um, what I watched. Oh. <laughs> Debbie, Sean, what did they watch? <laughs> hey, Debbie Bergen. Debbie didn't watch much. Hey, Charlie what? McCarthy, what did I watch? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> but I did what um, Ralph with um, John did. I finally, I wanted to see it in the theaters. So I started to watch The Batman. And it was difficult because I was watching it during the day. And oh, my yeah. room was nowhere near my where the TV is. Yeah. No, you know, after a while, you just got to the point where it's like, I just have to acknowledge I'm not going to see everything in this movie. Well, I did that in the theater. I felt the same way in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, it, it, lost, I, it lost energy to me, like, after about two hours. There was a lot I liked about the movie, but, you know, I after a while, I just let it play and I got back on the computer to do some stuff. However, what I also watched, which Debbie didn't have a chance, I didn't want to. I didn't want to, What are you talking about, baby? She's doing her <laughs> stick. It's awesome. I'm miming you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was watching, because um, I'm from Baltimore. I live in Baltimore. And um, I was watching um, the new series on HBO oh, set in Baltimore. Yeah. We Own This Town. Yeah. Episode one was up. And um, oh, that's about the corrupt cops. Is that what that's about? Yeah, I know. I'm shocked. Corrupt cops. Baltimore. In Baltimore? What? HBO. It never happened. But, um, yeah, they, they call them the most, but the, um, gun trace, um, task force, which people said was the most corrupt police unit in the United States. And that's saying something. And, you know, it's sort of a, it's not a sequel to, it's not a sequel to the wire, but it's kind of wire like everybody is that. Yeah. It's, I tell you what, the first episode, I read the books. So I knew who the characters were, but I was thinking someone who, I didn't see it with Debbie yet. I wanted to watch it. Um, I think if you didn't, you'll be hard to follow because it's multi-person, it's an ensemble thing. You're going to have a hard time following it if you, um, I think, episode one, if you're not familiar with the background of it. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's really well done. I think there's a guy who was in the writing you may have known, oh. Nick Pelicanos or whatever his yeah. name was. Yeah, Pelicanos. The yeah. guest, the guest that won't leave, that guy. I threw him out. Threw him out of my house. <laughs> That's no, you, you lose it. You're never going to amount to nothing. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. Yeah. <laughs> we could have had him on this show. Yeah, I could have. He doesn't know who I am. We could call him up. He wouldn't know. He would be talking like halfway through the episode. We'd see him like looking at hey, the thing. Wait a second. You threw me hey. out. I know you. Right. That's the guy who kicked me out of his party. Bro- that's my that's my brush with greatness. What can I say? That's how I treated it. <laughs> no, but I, I right. And, you know, it's hard to, um, you know, it's like, well, Drew was like, well, first episode was good. 
you know, so um, I'm really looking forward to seeing the rest. You know, they usually do a pretty good quality job when they shoot something in Baltimore about corruption or crime or the way it's the city fru- is. It's so. a fruitful ground. What do they call it? Fruitful. Uh, yeah. 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 We make yeah. it easy. All right. Yeah. That's on HBO, right? HBO. 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 Plays every Monday night. Okay. I was worried that it didn't have, because it seems like the prime shows have a Sunday night premiere. But this is coming in on Monday nights. Yeah. I hope that's not a lack of confidence on well, HBO. The, yeah. The, the, the Lakers thing is a Sunday night uh, yeah. appointment, appointment thing. So, uh, Chris, what'd you watch? Um, you know, honestly, I, I've had a crazy busy week, so I've mm-hmm. watched virtually nothing. But <clears throat> funny thing, I how occasionally we talk about other things, you know, sports and whatnot. I um, dovetailing from our conversation last week about Streets of Fire, um, and I'm not sure how this happened because I am a Bruce Springsteen fan. I was never that familiar or really familiar at all with the Darkness on the Edge of Town album. Um, and uh, the the song Streets of Fire, which did not appear in the film that we discussed last week. So I listened to that album. And um, it's great when you 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 find something that was kind of hidden from you. And it it just blew my mind. It's a fantastic album. Uh, so I probably listened to it. I'm not exaggerating, like straight through like four or five times since we, we met last last week. And uh, it's just. Um, wow. Yeah, it's great. Uh, they make you th- did it make you think of Tom Cody? Uh, you know, it's, it's, let me put it this way. You know, they talked about it a little bit in some of the, the <clears throat> documentaries about how the original script was much, much darker and how originally at the, in the big, you know, the big fight, you know, you'd mentioned Sean, how he just pushes Willem Dafoe over at the end. Yeah. Originally in the end of the fight, Willem Dafoe is about to win and Tom Cody just pulls out a knife and stabs him to death. Like he was willing to do anything to win. Um, so it was a much darker script. And apparently at one point early on, uh, Will, Walter Hill came out and just said, yep, we're not doing the, the crazy violence thing. There's no, there isn't going to be any blood, like any mate, like, you know, spurting blood anyway. But, uh, it, it brought me to this album, which is much darker than that film. But, uh, man, that is a great album. If you haven't listened to it, darkness on the edge of town. It's fantastic. It's awesome. You know, I read that, um, <clears throat> Walter Hill quote at the beginning of one of the docs. I thought he pretty, I, I can't even quote it back, but I thought he nailed what he was going for. I mean, he didn't do a great job at it, but he was going mm-hmm. for something there. So, yeah. Um, all right. So you? I went to the movie theater and saw the unbearable weight of massive talent. <laughs> oh, starring Nicolas oh. Cage. Sure. And let me say this. I'm not going to do a big review on the film. The film was fantastic. I mean, and, and his lead, the guy who's that Pe- Pe- Pedro Pascal, Pedro Pe- Pascual. Pascual, fantastic. Yeah, Both of them together. The Nick Cage, obviously together. I mean, I, I, I just love the man. <laughs> I got my pillow. Oh, um, wow. And I just thought, I don't want to do a big review because John and I are going to do it on Q&A. Yeah, we're going to do it on Q&A. Have you yeah. seen it yet? No, I'm going to go okay. tomorrow night. Okay. Here's my, my, but what I'm going to talk about is being in the movie theater. Okay. Um, and it was a little frustrating. I think people are still feeling like they're all sitting in their house because we yeah. had, we had four people behind us who just couldn't shut up. To, I mean, Trailers are one thing, right? You're hearing it through the trailers and every trailer comes on and they're saying it loud enough like they're, sit, they're right behind me. So it wasn't like they were in the theater. Unfortunately, the theater wasn't that packed. It was a I think it was a Sunday afternoon. Um, so they're just talking like they're sitting in their living room through the whole trailers, all that driving us crazy. Then they start talking during the film. OK, that's number one. Number two, right next to Maria and nothing wrong with this guy who was on the spectrum for sure. 
This dude was laughing like Robert De Niro in Cape Fear <laughs> at every tiny little joke that happened to the point where you're like, I was laughing more at that than what was going on in the film. So I just feel like I just, you know, that the, the theater experience is getting a little bit like it's just not it's just not holding the same weight it used to. And I think partly because we're sitting at home watching all this stuff all the time and you get used to just laying around. But then people just don't have the respect like they used to. Yeah. Um, you know, and I shouldn't say anything. I got a call in the middle of it, had to do a text. So I'm just as bad. I have to say, I've been in the movies a lot in the last year, and I have not had that same experience. This was awful. The guy to my right, there's nothing we could do. He was just because right. literally a trailer would come up and he'd go running out of the room going, I can't hear this. I can't hear this. I can't hear this. And I'm like, something's something's yeah. not right over there. And then he ended up sitting right next to me or just laughing. But the film is unbelievably great. Yeah, we'll get into it on our show. I'm dying is, to see it. It I'm is really amazing. Dying to see it it so. is amazing. You almost tear up with just really? how good how good the guy is. It's it's unbelievable. He originally did not want to do the movie. He I did know. not want to do it. The I know. director it's, and, and it's going to tie into it's going to tie in a little bit to the film that I brought. But um, he does scenes where he's playing against his younger self from Wild at Heart, Nikki. They call him Nikki Cage or Nikki Kim Coppola, and he ends up kissing himself, kissing himself, <laughs> and it's just. You guys got to see it. It's great. It's meta. Um, you know, uh, anyway, we'll talk about it. But uh, yeah, that's what I saw. Poor theater experience. Great film. Great. Right. Film. Okay. So I'm looking forward to seeing. Highly recommend about that one. It. All right. So today's round robin was a lot of stuff. 80s action mm, films. You forget and, how much stuff. I'm going to ask who wants to go first with this one. I'm not even going to pick. Debbie. There you go. Okay. I oh, pick. boy. I, yeah. Go ahead. I picked for our viewing talk about is uh, Bruce Willis in his film, Die Hard. <sighs> Yippee Kaye. I'm giving Debbie special uh, treatment on this one because we said we would never review Die Hard, even though our podcast yeah. is named after that, basically, you know, a line from that film. But yes, this is a quintessential 80s action film. Absolutely. So it should be talked yes. about. Yeah, so Debbie, okay. what did you like about this that film? It means so much to me because uh, this movie means uh, fighting for your marriage. We we're talking about marriage earlier. And I really think this is a truly how marriage is. Die Hard. Man, the title says it all. Wait, wait so here's you, Die What? What, you get out of Die Hard, it's a marriage film? It's a relationship film? Oh, it's it fighting is. for your marriage. Oh, fighting, fighting for your marriage. For marriage. Debbie's going to work a bit into this. She just I just did. know that, it. She just did it. I just, I just really love the guy who's the common man. You know, he's, he's nobody special. He's not super handsome. He's not wealthy by any means. His wife is wealthy. He takes the second tier in the wealth department with his wife, right? Right. And it seems like he is working in New York City as a cop, and she's out in, uh, where were they? Hollywood. California. Los, Los Angeles. Yep. Yeah, Not Hollywood. Plaza. Yeah. Yeah. Not Plaza. Plaza. Right. Some kind of big thing going over in that big, tall building with uh, Chinese involvement or Japanese involvement, you know. Yeah. Japanese. Japanese. Yeah. And uh, when you have that extent, you know, of money, and she's like up there high in the the company, you know, she's making a lot of 
dollars. Dinero. Dinero. The Japanese look down on a married woman, I think, right? Or, yeah. Or, yeah, right? That's why she changed her name back right? to her maiden name, Gennaro. Right? And that's why he was so frustrated. You don't even have my right. name anymore. Sees it on the screen. So he doesn't leave his job because he doesn't want to, I guess, carry the guitars around, as our previous movie said. Ooh, you a know. callback. Nice tie-in. Yeah. Thank you. And it's just so wonderful about these two people. You know, he's the hero. He comes back to save the day. And, um, you know, with his just kind of Brooklyn smarts, detect, you know, cop thing. Tough. You know, he's a diehard. He, he just he's working hard to save his his woman and his family. And I just love this film. She almost used it in romantic comedies when we did them. I guess you could based on that kind of theory. Of course you could. You know, he broke up with her between two and three, though, right? They broke up. Well, they were separated in Die Hard. Yeah, they were separated. Well, they were still married. They well, that's right. But they together. were separated. But separated by you know, the coasts. Right. By her. By her depiction she really was admiring her husband you know the whole time she was hoping you know well you could stay here at the house because he couldn't find a room and in the end end, and christmas yeah and she was taking him in and kind of like really wanted him to yeah if i remember the best quote in that film was her saying I'm going to, you, you're going to defy what a marriage is or whatever he says that she says to him about. You never finished this conversation in July. I had to take it. Right. No matter what the consequences, no matter what it did to our marriage, you had to take it. It didn't do anything to our marriage except maybe change your idea of what our marriage should be. I think you have a clue as to what my idea of our marriage should be. I know exactly what your idea of our marriage should be. Not all the cool other quotes, but that one is the one about their marriage and. hmm. Yippee-ki-yay, mother marriage. Wow. Unbelievable. Well, that's an interesting take. Debbie's Debbie ladies action film. <laughs> well, thank you, Debbie, but, for that. You know, marriage basically is a big fight. It is, but as far as eighties action movie films go, I think we should probably talk about the unbelievable action in this picture. No, that's Debbie's film. That's no, uh, yeah, no, but I, I mean, disagree. you should, you should, you so you don't bring up any of the action. Don't need to. Everybody knows. Pick. I think Debbie. You know, Debbie. I appreciate you bringing Die Hard on and taking that approach. Because everybody yeah. can talk about the action in Die Hard. It's been talked. It's an That's 80s why, action round robin. This is why we don't do this or Jaws, because everybody's done it. What more can we add? Debbie found a back door, and it's the marriage story. Good Debbie job, likes Debbie. the back door. No, stop. Ralph, you, are, that. you are so passive aggressive. No. I'm not. No, I'm aggressive. Ralph, why don't you go aggressive. next? Why don't you go next, Ralph? That's fine. I'll go next. Um, I brought 1989's John Woo's The Killer. Oh, Ooh. starring Chow Young Fat. Is that his name? Chow Young Fat and Danny Lee as the two, one assassin, one cop. Um, this is a woo wooish film like there ever was one. I mean, I think this is one of the, this is one of his first with the doves in the church and the corny music that's playing. I still have that that woman's th- song in my head. The song. The, 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 so we know the story. An assassin. Chow Young Fat plays an assassin who's hired to kill a, a triad boss i guess he actually works for the triads he's an assassin for the triads he goes into this uh uh, uh club and starts this whole shootout and ends up blinding accidentally blinding the singer who was singing this beautiful corny awful song that i just can't get out of my head um so he blinds her and now the whole movie is he's trying to take care of her she can't see him 
and he's now going to take care of her and repair the but it's a John Woo film which means shootouts in slow motion double gorgeous, handed 45s all the every trope you've seen about two guys pointing guns at each other all the stuff that everybody uses and he copied from samurai films and um, and and the duality in all the films you know good guys bad guys you can't tell the difference research well, that's what I'm, that's my tie-in to Nicolas Cage was, you know, a lot of the moves in Face Off are the same moves that everybody, like, you look at Broken Arrow, look at all those John Woo films he did in America. Hard Target, I think he did as well. Yep. It's all Wooisms. And uh, he's a very corny dude. Turns out he likes musicals, and he wanted to direct a musical. Um, his church scenes, he's very religious, so the church is always a sanctuary, both for the good guys and bad guys, because God doesn't differentiate between good and bad, and it's kind of a safe place. But it's got all the elements of a classic John Woo, and it's the—I think it's the granddaddy of his stuff because he did Hard Boiled after this. Chai Yun Fat was a big comical, comic and romantic lead, and he became a superstar over there. He did a couple movie replacement killers. I think he tried a couple over here, didn't quite work. I don't think. Um, but it's an amazing film. It's so corny, and so uh, the language is on the nose. Now I'm watching—I'm watching a subtitled version, so I think there's issues with the translations and just kind of some of the silly things they were saying in the translations but it gets me every time I watch it you kind of go this is so corny but by the end you're rooting for these two guys one's an assassin one's a cop fighting to get out of whatever situation they're in and the shootouts are amazing and long and bloody and, and corny and it's just just a great action film and, uh, I've never seen that movie that came out in 89 right? 89 it is I, I saw it but here's a funny thing um the first time I saw it, I didn't see it because it was part of a double feature at the art house to Charles, and it was the killer and something else. But they sh- because the- they showed a version with the incorrect titles in it, you know, and they showed a better tomorrow instead of the killers. And of course, I had no idea, you know, until somebody said, you know, that wasn't a better, that wasn't the killers. It's a better tomorrow. I'm like. Well, that's a good one too, though. That's a good one. Yeah, that's an excellent movie. Uh, he too. dedicated the killer to Martin Scorsese. He dedicated this film to Scorsese because yeah. Mean Street's got a lot of Mean Streets in there as well. Yeah. Are you saying, Sean, that you went to the movies and saw another movie that was t- told that that was the movie that was being shown? Yeah, it's in Chinese. Who would know? Chris, you were going to say something before. Uh, uh, yeah, all I over mean, Sean. That's crazy. I the main titles were in Chinese. <laughs> They didn't. They weren't translated. They had subtitles under the dialogue. Jeez. Um, the killer. I, I, let me put it this way. I, I worship at that movie. That movie is amazing. I, I've always made the comment that it has the greatest shootout. Um, it has the second greatest shootout in it, and then thirty minutes later, it has the greatest shootout ever. The shootout at the house. The shootout in the church, and then all the other little ones in between are just all fantastic. I actually really love the story. You know, it's actually loosely taken from um, Jean-Pierre Melville's Le Samurai, uh, which is a French New Wave film that I also love. Um, not nearly as violent, not nearly as frenetic, of course, but the same kind of thing about a um, an assassin who gets uh, seen and then they try to start killing him. And it's, it's the same kind of thing. Um, there's a singer and everything but um no i love the killer i think it's i think it's the pinnacle of john woo's career quite honestly um i, don't know, I thought mission impossible too was that but uh 
<laughs> no, face off for Ugh. me is face off for me is like the yeah. I mean, face off is fun and it's goofy, but I actually think the killer has real heart. You yeah, know well, what that's I mean? what it's all heart. It's all heart. That's what makes yeah. it so schmaltzy. And you, at first you're going, oh my! But then it it just catches you. That scene I mean, they do. Uh, I don't know if you remember, Chris. The scene where they first the, the the assassin and the cop meet in the woman's the blind woman's apartment. Right. And they're both doing the scene where they're they they're holding guns on each other, but they don't want her to know they have guns. Yes. So they're positioning themselves in a way that she can't tell that they're holding guns and they're flip flopping all over the place. It's just sure. It's a ballet. It's just great. It's a great film. And, oh, it uh, is. Unlike unlike American eighties films, it just you're right. It has a corny heart there. And you, when you see doves, you know, and all the candles that are lit, like who lights all those candles in the in the church and the doves are flying. It, it, you go, this never works, but it works every single time. It's beautiful. And then when beautiful. the, and little things like, you know, I just remember during that great shootout at the end, and the dove like lands on the candles and puts out a whole bunch yeah. of it with its wings. You're just like, I'm not sure how he got a dove to do that, but it's pretty awesome. Well, all the bad guys are wearing white suits, so when they get shot, there's blood everywhere. But, oh, yeah. Just... Was that any plate? Can we stream that anywhere? Uh, I was, I, no, I borrowed a DVD, actually. I've never seen it. Uh, it's like not a, it. I thought it might be on Criterion, but you may be able to stream it. I don't know how to look it up. And I'll say this um, I actually really like the dub. It's not like, you know. You said that. You, you'd rather listen. I, I, actually I don't like listening to that dub. stuff. Yeah, I like the dub because it allows me, in some ways, it allows me to focus on the action. Oh, as opposed to reading on. the subtitles? Because, yeah. I mean, the dub isn't great. You know, their uh, their mouths don't match as well as they should, um, obviously, because it's two totally different kinds of language. But um, but at least they do a decent job of starting and stopping at the same time. Yeah, they try. <laughs> I, I, never, I never liked that. But stuff. they also changed the, the, like Squid Game did that, the dub. Mm-hmm. They change the meaning of some of the dialogue sure, versus the 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 uh, you know subtitles. The, well, subtitles. they even did this thing a where a lot of this more palatable to American audiences. Well, it's through. like in the Killer, the Cop, and the Assassin when they got together and they were meeting in front of the girlfriend. They were calling each other in the original script like Disney names, like Mickey Mouse and Goofy or something. Well, yeah. when Donald they brought it to America, they couldn't do that. So they had to change it to Squid Boy and Big Head or something like it's this crazy. Well, it's word. weird because the dub, they still call each other Mickey Mouse and Donald right. Duck. Right. Yeah. They do that in the dub. It's in yeah. there. But um, it, yeah. And that's that's probably one of the sillier things. But it's this whole idea of like what I love about that film is like you said, where where the you know, the line between, you know, criminal and policeman or and copper is blurred. It's like at the end, by the end, it's like, you know, the, it's, this, it's like yeah. this brotherhood of, you know, warrior you know and it's really um it's well it's yeah, all the, it's a dual it's a dual at duality you know and that's yeah. what they play he played with that in face off and in the uh, unbearable uh weight of massive talent they throw <laughs> it back you know you've seen the scene in the trailer where he sees his uh the gold-plated gun but they do this great thing where they merge the face of the statue and Nicolas Cage's face looking in the window right and they just you know they captured that again so the John Woo was throughout all that stuff and I um I, I just love it. And like even Mission Impossible, the stuff he was doing with Tom Cruise in that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, corny as hell. But, you know, when you look at it, you're like, corny, oh, that's an artist. Bad. He's an artist. And I read that he didn't he didn't storyboard any of the action scenes. Wow. Because the, a, he, didn't want people, he didn't want any. He doesn't storyboard any of his action scenes. He says, I'm an artist. To me, it's like a palette. So when I get there, I'm going to look around and see what I want to do. Plus, he doesn't he didn't want people stealing the storyboards and see what he was doing. So interesting cat man i mean because he's so he's very religious he's very corny 
um, loyalty, all that stuff comes out in all his films. And it's just, it's fantastic. So that was mine. The killer 1989. Good choice. All right. uh, Sean. Well, first I want to just talk about eighties action and cinema today. And I think if you look at eighties action and cinema today, you see what's wrong with movies. And part of it is lack of clearances in the old days, the studios put out a lot more movies because there were clearances. Like a certain theater got the A movie and no other theater within like an 11-mile area could show that same movie. So if you were a studio, you needed A and B movies out. And a lot of the films that were out in the 80s, these action films, were essentially B movies, so they were never designated like that. You would see like Steven Seagal films and all, you know, all these action stars. And, you know, a lot of these films made a lot of money and were very successful. But today you're not seeing these movies in the theaters. They're not making, if they make an action film, it's like John Wick, where they're going to spend $200 million or a James Bond movie. And, you know, you're not seeing the Steven Seagal, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme, films that we used to see claude i gotta do drew here jean claude not jean claude well it's you know what can i say (laughs) norris let's let's look who was the other big one at the time Um, well like arnold arnold yeah but but don't you think all those are going and red heat and things but don't you think all that's now going straight to streaming all that stuff that where is it i don't see those action they're going towards series, not films. No, okay. no, no. Well, that whole Bruce Willis run of crappy stuff he did, which we talked about, those are all action, what they called action films. No, but what I'm saying is they're not, those are really low budget films that are, are not going, it's not like Netflix or Amazon is stepping in and making these um, well, mid-level yeah. action films. They tried it with, uh, they're doing female versions, right? With uh, That's that's what the real thing is. They don't want the testosterone testosterone laden movies anymore. Although Chris Hemsworth did a movie on Netflix, that um, was great, which was awesome, and they're making a sequel to it. Yeah, I and it did it. it did extremely. Uh, the Abductor or something like that. It had a name like that. The Extractor, right? The Extractor. Um, it was great, but but the audience uh, and Netflix especially, they don't want that. Uh, macho guy anymore. They want to turn it, you know, they want, like that movie with all the women, the spies, it bombed. It did nothing. Because that's all like people... That film, I can't remember the one Debbie uh, and I watched. It was a science fiction film. It's like everybody was a woman in it. The only men were the villains. It's sort of like, now I watch a movie on Netflix. If it's a woman protagonist, I know the villain's a man. You know, it's just... You know, and I'm not, I don't mean to get this, but it is true. They were making, we'll see. There were all, this is a cycle, hopefully. Yeah, exactly. I don't think these films, people are loving these films, you know, so we'll see. But well, we have to admit, it did, it did. Female thing. Yeah. They're but the 80s did turn a guy like stuff. Steven Seagal should never have been in a film. The guy's terrible. Yeah, and he's he a terrible a, person. Right, he, but he has a string of, and Jean-Claude Van Damme, as much as I love him, man. Without those, like, uh, face, not face off, the one, the hockey one he did and all that good stuff. He did a lot of cool stuff, too. Um, but a, lo- a lot of guys got acting jobs that, uh, after Arnold, right, who made it big. So you had all these guys trying to simulate Jeff what he did. Yeah, Jeff Jeff Spiegel, Spiegel, right. Perfect. Right. Yeah. Another one. Yeah. You know, and, but the fun, you know, it's like, I used to see, like, it seemed like there was one of those movies out, like, every other week. Yeah. 
when I used to go to the movies all the time. And it's like recently I saw behind you Above the Law, which was, I think, Seagal's first film. And that was recently on like AMC or something. And I was watching it. And I just, I, mean, I remember really liking the movie when I first saw it. But watching it now, it's like, oh, my God, this is such a cheap piece of crap. You know, I mean, the sets were bad. I mean, Seagal, other than Seagal set the standard for the acting. You know, I mean, William Forsyth was in it. He was good. But it's like everything about the movie was just bad. But his style of fighting, action-wise, was 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 different in that movie. He, he was very different than anyone. In, and he was so, remember how skinny he was? Yeah. He was a thin guy back then. Ponytail. He didn't have a ponytail in that movie. Uh-uh. And above the law, one of those movies, he had a ponytail. Yeah. Well, no. yeah, but not in that one. Oh. No. And it, yeah. And above the law, he does. I mean, his hair's a little longer. It's maybe yeah. taller length, but it's. I'll say there's pony. his pony. He said, <laughs> You might be above the law, but you're not above mine. Yeah. No. Right, so, so, but, okay. So, let me go to. I mean, there were so many great films to choose. Oh, yeah. And I went with a relationship film like my wife. Oh, God. And um, War of the Roses. Yeah. Good action in that. No, yeah. I went with a film that utterly surprised me when I first saw it. I saw it at the um, Golden Ring Mall Theater. They used to have Monday night $1 movies. So I'd go to work, and then a couple guys from work would go and see two movies. I mean, for $1, why not? You can and tell you're a writer, Sean. You're building up to it. That's what I like yeah. about this. When I went to see this, um, you know, like Golden Globus film, and usually they made like the crappy late you know, um, Charles Bronson films, yeah. you know, or the crappy, um, you know, um, what's the guy who never cries? You know, they always made all the jokes about it. Tech Walker, Texas Ranger. Um, Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris. You know, they were making like, like, to, you know, you think the Seagal films were bad and budget. Now, Globus stuff was total crap. So when I went in to see this film called Runaway Train, I was absolutely blown away because not only was it a great action film, it was simply a great film, you know, and um, it was the pedigree is amazing. It was originally going to be directed by Akira Kurosawa as his American film debut. So he he and his team came up with the story and all. And it was originally going to star um, Henry Fonda and Lee <laughs> Marvin, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. You know, so Henry uh, Fonda and Lee Marvin. Wow. And who did it end up with? Who did it end up with? And John, ended up with an amazing cast of uh, John Voight and Eric Roberts. Yeah. And Rebecca and, uh, DeMornay. Yeah, so Akira Kurosawa backed out, and they brought in um, this Russian director, his name eludes me, who uh, later did, I think, Tequila Sunrise, Tango and Cash. You know, he never Tango came close Cash. to it. an 80s action. That's movie. another, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, um, but this film, you know, and also it had, like, Eddie Bunker in it, who was later in like you know in some Quentin Tarantino films? Who was a real prisoner, and he worked on the script too. Right. To get you know, well, here's the plot. Um, John Voight plays um this guy Manheim. Everyone calls him Manny, who's been locked in his cell, welded in his cell in, in um, solitaire. You know, literally welded in there because he's like an escape artist and like the toughest criminal in the prison. And he wins the lawsuit. His some lawyers are to have him released, and the warden hates him. He hates the warden, but you know, Manny is the hero to the other prisoners. 
because he doesn't he doesn't take any shit and he's escaped and he's tough. And uh, one person who idolizes him is this young guy, Eric Roberts, who's like a boxer, who thinks he's a criminal, who thinks he's bad. But when he decide when Manheim decides to escape with Eric Roberts' um, help, he needed help, Eric Roberts' help because Eric Roberts took a, um, what do you call it, something to the laundry, a basket, the clothes to the laundry, gave him an opportunity to get to where they could escape. He decides impulsively to go with them. And he has a real education in what toughness is and all, because this guy gives him, like, zero respect, you know? I mean, he is, you know, Mannheim is a tough guy. They escape, they go across, they're in Alaska, they go across a glacier. They end up in a rail a railroad area where they jump on a train. And little and this is, every movie has a great coincidence. They jump on a train just as the engineer, it's four engines, just as the engineer in the lead car has a heart attack and falls off the train before um, before he can um, stop it. And so then once then they're on a um, on a runaway train like the movie says. You know, I mean it's a very literal title. But what they don't realize is that um, there's another person on the train, Rebecca De Mornay, who does like cleaning. She's a um, cleaner and. She doesn't. She was asleep on the train and didn't realize it was a runaway until it smashes in the caboose of another train. But it's a really exciting sequence and the relationship between the guys. Because I mean, Eric Roberts like totally has his hero worship for Manny, who doesn't give a damn about him at all. He does try to. There's a great scene where where um, John Voight tries to tell him when he's when. Um, Eric Roberts like, I want to do this and I want to do that. And he's like, no, what you're going to do is you're going to get some job cleaning dishes at a restaurant that a convict can get. And you're going to spend all day cleaning, making this clean. Then the boss is going to come and say, oh, look, you missed that space there. You missed that space. And you're going to keep your eyes on the ground so that you just don't jump up and straggle the life out of them. And, all. and finally, when he gets done, he goes, he goes, that's what you're going to do. And he's like, I would never do that. I'd rather go to jail. And he goes, Oh, the problem, because he says, if you could do that, you could be the head of a corporation. They're like, could you do that? He's like, nah. But essentially, they, there's the B story is um, the warden trying to get him back. He later discovers he's on the train. And the C story is um, is um, they're trying to stop the train before first, before it destroys a bridge. And secondly, before it destroys a potential um, chemical plant when it can't make a curve. <laughs> so awesome. it's. They they really put the they stakes up. The, um... But the real movie is about the relationship. And Eric Roberts is at the big gloom. It's, you know, as at the end of the second act when all is lost. And, you know, it's like they know they're going to die now because they can't get to the um, lead engine. And um, Eric and Eric and Void essentially puts Eric Roberts on a suicide mission. And he knows the kid is going to die. And they get in this big fight and he like, Eric Roberts dresses down Voight like you know we admired you, we loved you, and you're just, you're you're all bullshit just like the war. I mean it's just a great scene, and you know I always tear up. I'm tearing up talking. Oh my god! And I tell you what, it's because Eric Roberts was so freaking good in this movie. Right. You know, this is at the the height of his power. He was in um, also at the same time he was in Pope of Greenwich Village. And he was like in Star 80 yeah. and Coca-Cola Kid. 
Yeah. I mean, and uh, was, John Voight, of course, is chewing up scenery left and right. I mean, he's doing this a, film is the yeah. biggest acting. You know, the major yeah. objection to this film is that these guys are a little over the top. Oh, my God. A little over the top. That's like, yeah. They are like, he, Anaconda, like, he was way over the top. top. Anaconda, he was, yeah, Anaconda, he was, he was way over but, the no, top. No, but he's sort of doing that in this one. He's like got a weird accent and he's just tough yeah. guy. And, and of course, yeah, Eric Roberts always goes a little bit like crazy, right? Always in yeah. his arms. Well, you know, the funny thing is, I had a crazy brother who took his own life. And every time I see Eric Roberts in this part, and in and, and these films of this period, he's always, I always think of my brother, because my brother is kind of crazy, but so is our Eric, as you said, so are Eric Roberts' characters. There's this bravado and this na- naive and bravado at the same time. Yeah, mixed no, he's, up my he's very likable. It's a likable quality he has in these films. I mean, you root and, for But him. here's the thing, you're saying... And you're right that they're both over the top, oh. but they were both n- nominated for Oscars for that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Canceled each other out. Well, the cinematography, it's an amazing film. Like you look at a film shot beautifully. Yeah. yeah. It's all in the snow. Yeah. Um, and like, I just, the only thing I remember is Voight by the end of the film is standing on the front of the train as the train is yeah. barreling down the, yeah. and he's, I think he's on his way to die. I forget. I don't even remember, but I just, that yeah. scene. Well, he is knows he's going to die. Yeah. He, the warden gets down onto the train through a, from a helicopter down a ladder. And Roberts subdues it. Not Roberts, uh, Voight subdues him. You know, you know, Eric Roberts and them, they couldn't get over to the lead thing. But, you know, in order to have revenge on the warden, you know, Voight makes the leap and succeeds. They're, they're, everyone thinks he's dead because and I remember, you must remember this all the film. Scene where he's holding on to the undercarriage of the train. He gets his hand around the thing, you know, that holds the coupling thing and it crushes his fingers and there's mm. blood everywhere. Yeah. And, uh, but he eventually subdues the warden in there and he's, and he's like, well, we're going to die. I win. You know, we're going to die. And he's, the warden's like trying to think of something that will motivate him to stop the train. And it's like, he goes, well, what about the punk and the girl? And he goes, ah, uh-uh, just us. And he goes back and, Uncouples to train, which is a total surprise to Eric Roberts and Rebecca De Mornay because they assumed he was dead. And then, you know, Eric Roberts is like, man, he stopped the train. But the situation is, um, his character was essentially naive and never understood this Mannheim character. I mean, this guy was in an entirely different league. Yeah, naive. He was a little simple, in the, a little simple in the film. He was kind of a simple guy. Simple. Well, film. you know, they say rapos are stupid. That's what he tells him is at one point. He goes, Oh, what do you mean, Rapo? Because I saw your, your sheet. He goes, Oh, that was just statutory rape. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, that's a good, that's a good pull. That's a good film. And I yeah. don't know if a lot of people have seen that one, but that's, it that's doesn't get one. enough love because it is. And I think a, a lot of people are intimidated by it. It's also Danny Trejo's first film, too. Oh, wow. You know, so he's boxing with Eric Roberts in the, um, in the first act. So. I would definitely recommend, I will probably, I've been tempted before to make this my choice for an episode, but I've resisted because it wasn't streaming anywhere. And now it's streaming on HBO Max. You know, I got the Blu-ray. And I'm also hoping, because Eric Roberts has been in like three films I've done or worked on. And he has liked, and he has liked some of our posts and some of my posts. What? I, I have invited him via Twitter 
to appear on our podcast. And maybe we will if we do. I'd like to. Oh, that would be great to get him talking about that movie. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or I'd be happy to talk about any movie like we did with, um, you know, um, Luke Diamond Phillips. But um, this. we can only talk. The only one we yeah. couldn't well, talk Luke about Diamond was Phillips was kind of, you know, he wasn't. All right. Good job. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Chris. Okay. I, um, yeah, Runaway Train is 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 pretty good. Um, I I got to catch up with that one again. Um, <clears throat> I chose, um, you know, you were talking about B level movies, Sean, yeah. and I chose a pure B level film, but I like to call it an overachieving B level film. It's one of those B level movies that you watch. Plus. You go, you're, you're like, that was really yeah, B plus exactly, Teppy. And uh, I um, I chose uh, 1987 Jack Shoulders, The Hidden. Starring oh, Mike yeah, Murray yeah. and uh, Kyle McLaughlin. Uh, so this is kind of a weird moment. Uh, Kyle McLaughlin was in this film. This is post-Dune and post-Blue Velvet, but pre-Twin Peaks. Yeah. So like he was kind of in that weird stage where he's like, okay, I've done a couple of Lynch things. but So he ends up in this movie. And, and the basic story of the film is um, it's really out there. It's kind of a sci-fi action film. And it is, uh, it's basically about a... An alien criminal and an alien cop that show up in L.A. And the alien criminal is literally like a giant slug that goes into your body and takes you over and uh, uses you up until it finds another host. I hate when that happens. Yeah. And so what happens is it goes around and it it loves fast cars and heavy metal music, which is kind of silly, but it's very 80s. I know, slug wood. Exactly. And it knocks and it uh, robs banks and it... And that's the thing is what happens. At the, and then so what happens is Michael Newry catches this case, right, of this everyday guy, super normal dude. Everybody says he's a nice walks guy. out of a hospital. He's an old guy walks out of a hospital. Right. Well, the, well, the first, well, the first, oh, the first guy, guy, right. The first, the first guy that, that opens the story. Regular guy kills people, steals cars. What's going on? He's going crazy. Right. And then what happens is he gets shot to pieces and he ends up in this hospital and he ends up next to this old guy who's you know had a double bypass and all this kind of stuff so right before the the host body expires he leaves right and the the the, the you know the slug goes into the other guy and walks out anyway so what happens is michael Nury is this cop and then all of a sudden this fbi guy shows up acting a little weird and it turns out that kyle mclaughlin is actually also an alien but he's the good alien pursuing uh the bad alien um so it all comes down to it. It's like, so it's basically this chase action movie across LA where the one cop is trying to lie to the other cop to get his, to help him out. Um, one of my favorite parts of the film is when Kyle McLaughlin's alien cop levels with him, levels with him, tells him the truth. It cuts to him throwing him in jail. Like you cut to uh, a close up of McLaughlin's face and the bar slide across him. And which I always thought was a great reaction because cops are very grounded guys. They are not guys that believe in the shadowy criminal behind the scenes or weird things happening. Um, but it's a great film. It's got a lot of great action. Um, <coughs> also, surprisingly enough, one of Danny Trejo's early films, he uh, he's an inmate in like the county jail that gets uh, killed when the cop when the alien takes over a different cop and just starts, you know, killing all these guys. Um, but really what I, but it's just got a really great, um, it's just got, it's just got great action, great car chases. Right. And you can tell it's all done on a very 
B-level budget, but it is a real sleeper hit. Um, and it's got, uh, it's got some, just some great action. I highly recommend it. And then it also, I won't even get into it if you haven't seen it. The ending is a little bit, uh, the ending is <laughs> one of those endings that you're like, did that just happen? You know, it's not like crazy or weird, but it, what happens at the end is you wonder if the Michael Nury character gets shot up, right? And he's dying. And then the Lloyd or the, um, the FBI guy and we're not sure what happens at the end of the film with who's who and who's not. Um, I have my, I mean, I'm pretty sure that uh, basically what happens is the alien takes over Michael Nury's body and then just lives as Michael Nury's, right. uh, you know, lives as the husband, the father to this girl and, and, and the husband to his wife just takes over its life, which is kind of funny, but uh, it's kind of weird. But, Ice uh, off. <laughs> it's really, um, well, it's like what they did in Wonder Woman. High though, quality beaver. Chris Pine. Yeah. You didn't mention Claudia Cardinella in a thigh high boots. You didn't even you know, mention that. Well, that. this movie. Yeah, there's so many. Is, Michael Nuri's awesome. She's pretty great in it, too. Yeah. Yeah, I'll she looks say. great. Looks like she was having a ball doing the. Uh, I love they, stuff they too. designed that. Yeah. They designed that dress to show her ass crack. They literally designed yeah. that to show her ass crack. And she loved doing it. The, the director's track on this, on the laser disc, is amazing. The guy. Jack Shoulder directed it. Jack Shoulder. And you're right. Jack they didn't have Shoulder? a lot of money. I never Jack heard of Shoulder. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not a lot of money. And, um, you know, there are a lot of technical things they had to get through. A lot of, like you said, a lot of car chases, some special effects in there. Some of it comes off as a little bit cheesy, you know, yeah. with the yeah. laser beam stuff and things like that. They really but couldn't around- pull that off in the day. Yeah. No. What's well, that? That, he had that little gold laser that kind of fit in Silver. The little silver was a gold yeah. or silver. Yeah. Was it but, silver? I thought it was gold. It shoots yeah. like golden beam. But it was still, I mean, it was still good. Well, like Chris and it was said, creepy. It, when that slug came out of the mouth, yeah, that was creepy, man. That it's was creepy. Well and the yeah. uh, the checkoffs, the checkoffs flamethrower, you know. Yep. Oh, there's, oh, there's a yeah. flamethrower in this scene. Flamethrower. I wonder if that's going to figure in this plot anywhere. Yeah, the scene <laughs> where, like, literally in the first 10 minutes, one of the other policemen shows up. He's like, I took this flamethrower off, like, a gang member. And you're just like, well, gee. And they're like, book it into evidence. You're like, okay, that was fortuitous. I'm right, pretty sure it. I'm going to see that flame. You'd throw. never see a skilled filmmaker like Quentin Tarantino show a flamethrower. <laughs> yeah, he did a nice job with that. This is a, I told you guys the story before, but this is where the director explained why Kyle McLaughlin is such a movie star. Uh, he said, when you meet Kyle McLaughlin in person, he looks like every other person. There's nothing special about him. You put the camera lens on him. And he says, when you look in that camera lens, that's when you go, holy crap, that guy's a movie star. And yeah, he had Michael Nury there, who why Michael Nury wasn't a bigger star, I think, because he was in this film, he was even difficult. There's scenes where they're walking together on the street and Nury's fighting about whether he should be in front of Kyle McLaughlin as he's walking or behind to show weakness and strength and all this. And Nury's questioning every every direction that's going on it's like come on man just do the job and he did he did a great job ultimately he comes off pretty good in this film michael murray there's yeah. that scene where he's he loses his all his bullets and he puts his hand up like this that's yeah. all done that was all you know nuri came up with that mm-hmm. if i put my hands up i'll be okay and well you know you can see what happens but great film that's a great film i have not seen this film since the theaters and i'm glad mclaughlin was an alien because you know, he is a star, but he's also weird. You know what I mean? No, he's got a, yeah, definitely. There's an interesting, there's a vibe to him. Yeah. Especially everything you'd seen of him 
up until that point. Mm-hmm. That hairstyle he had in Showgirls, <laughs> that yeah. thing where the, the, the hair came over his eye, it's all weird. But this yeah. had a thing vibe, too. This had a kind of a thing vibe yeah. for it, too. The mm-hmm. whole, you know what? It's uh, also like this um, Denzel Washington film from the 90s. Where a demon was going into a that's oh, a great, yeah, yeah. Fallen. great ending. That had a great ending. That's fallen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, John Goodman. Good ending. Wasn't that's John Goodman in there? This yeah. was, this was you know, fallen was a more deadly series. I'd say. No, I fallen that. was death. Yeah, fallen was great. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. This one is more of a more. Yeah, fun. this one didn't. Uh, you know, it's kind of a cult. Not a lot of people know about this film, which is you know kind of hard to understand because it's really well done. It's yeah. probably on Tubi. I'll probably look for it tonight. Yeah. <laughs> well, I looked for it and I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, well, let really? me know. I converted my laser disc. Laser disc looks great, actually. It's one of the conversions I've done that actually holds up pretty well when I blow it up and do it for my my Plex. I can send you that, and the director's track on that is fantastic. It really is interesting yeah. to listen to that. I'd really you're like. You're complaining to- about the actor. That should tell you something. Well, he's just, you know, he's given us all the insight on the technical stuff and what they had to do for Claudia. There's, you know, this, that's a pretty tricky scene they're doing with her all mm. dressed in the way she was dressed. And the, How long after the film did the, did the uh, track come out? The audio, the commentary. How, how long after the film? Oh, I don't you know? know when the laser disc was produced. Actually, I couldn't tell you. Um, that's always interesting. I always find it, you know, interesting, especially films from the eighties. A lot of times when they come out on DVD for the first time, you know, the, in 2003, you know, right. literally 15 years later that I always feel like, hey, it's been 15 years. They're going to be a little more, um, you know, open. They're going to be a little more open. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <coughs> with their, no, I with, think this probably came out pretty or, you know, you know, Laserdisc. Well, 90s. It came out in 80. What you say? 89, 87, 87, 87. So I would imagine this Laserdisc came out 91, 92, maybe. OK. You know, that's not that far no, from that's not. when they're shooting. And this is when there were a lot of people were putting these things on laser discs, the, the director's track. So mm-hmm. um, it looks I I, like I said, laser track, but I haven't listened to many of them lately. But I will say one that I thought was really funny was for the uh, Barry Levinson movie Sphere. Yeah. And Samuel L. Jackson did one. I heard that. <laughs> and uh, who's the woman who she was from? Um, Sharon Stone. Yeah. So Samuel oh, L. Jackson, man. through the whole movie, it's like, oh, here's the start. Oh, he was great to work with. Yada, yada, yada. You know, and going on. And then, there, you know, every time he'd see an actor, he'd say something good about him, except Sharon Stone. And then finally, there's this one scene, like, we're probably two-thirds of the way through the movie, where she, like, looks at the camera and gives it a really angry look. And then he just says, well, we all saw that look. That's a classic. <laughs> that's that's a classic her. commentary. I don't know why I heard that commentary, but that's a well-known commentary that he did that stuff. And the movie's yeah. awful. Yeah. The other yeah, thing about uh, one more thing about the hidden laser disc is that not only do they put the trailer at the end, the movie trailer, they had mm-hmm. TV commercials. Oh, cool. That they put on from 1987. You want to see these mooks coming out of the movie <laughs> talking about the film with their, you know, with the uh, what do you call the it? The mullet, the mullets in there, the, the, the tank tops. Just a riot, just a riot. It's so in its time, it's unbelievable. So that, that's fun. That was that was a good one to watch again. So yeah, I enjoyed that. All right, John, uh, I saved the best for last. I thought. Well, I I, you... well first of all, I struggled with this. I, <laughs> I knew the movie I was going to pick right away, but as I went through the list, Aliens is a classic, great yes, action is. movie. Yes, I is. actually love Rambo: First Blood Part Two. I think that was in the eighties. 
I love yep. the action in that movie. Uh, Lethal Weapon, I absolutely love. And the first Terminator. Yep. I mean, these are great 80s action movies. Lethal but for Weapon me, 1 and 2. Yeah, but yeah, but one one yeah. to me one was, started it all. Right. Yeah, because it it kind of set the tone for those. That was a nice relationship problems. film too. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. but the movie that I picked is my favorite movie of all time, and is also listed as one of the best action movies ever. And that, of course, is Raiders of the Lost oh, Ark. I thought that was I, Dick Tra- I thought you were doing. Dick I Tracy. have set no. I have a Dick Tracy hat, oh, not this one. Um, this is my favorite movie of all time. I remember when I saw this in the movie theater. I I wasn't. I didn't know it was based on the early serials of of the fifties, forties, and fifties. I didn't know that, so I, I went in completely oblivious to what it was about, other than it starred Harrison Ford. And when I saw the movie, uh, my my mouth dropped. I'll tell you, uh, the first 20 minutes of that movie is better than most two-hour movies. Yes. What happens in that first 20 minutes. And the set pieces of this movie, the action involved, the stunts involved are spectacular. I We did a we did a show on this, actually, which I'll put, uh, I'm going I'm to put the link down because we talk about it in a lot of depth. But when we talked about The Sting, remember what I said was, this is one of those movies that I think is a perfect movie. The cast, the story, the way it was done. This to me is a perfect movie. Uh, Harrison Ford is great. Karen Allen is great. They're, everybody's great in this movie. Spielberg at his height. George Lucas at his height. Um, everything about it, and it's got a great story. And the other thing I liked about Indiana Jones, he's not Superman. And during this movie, he gets the crap wailed out of him in the movie. I mean, he's beaten and bloodied. In fact, the line is, uh, "Well, you're not the Indian I used to know." He goes, "It's not the age, sweetheart. It's the mileage." I mean, it just encompassed it. And this movie I can watch over and over and over again. I never get bored with it. It still holds up today. Um, it is the best out of all the Indiana Jones movies, although I like the third one. Um, I yeah. like, I did like that one because of Sean Connery. But this, for, to me, is this exemplifies action. And it's on most people's, <laughs> if not the top, the top three action movies of all time. So that to me, that... That's the action movie for me when I think about the 80s. This is the movie I was going to pick. Really? Yeah. I love you have great it. taste. And, you know, I, I, a question for you. When you said it was a, a, a serial, yeah. are we talking like what would – you refer to okay, so, not so, or anything. No, not not Captain Crunch or Wheaties. I was waiting. I was waiting. Uh, no, you know, uh, the old days they had movie serials before the main uh, movie. I can't believe In you fact, even Flash Gordon. Yeah. What what serial was it? I Flash mean, Gordon. Well, what, what, it, it was the cliffhangers. That, that's what that's what George Lucas went for. Actually, Steven Spielberg wanted to do a Bond movie. Serial with an S, not a C. Uh, right. And, uh, and uh, Lucas... You. Talked him into this. I think it, it wasn't Indiana Jones originally. It was something else. Um, oh, no, it was Indiana. The last name was Jones. It was something else. And Spielberg said, you got to change that. So they made this. And it was a tribute to all those cliffhanger serials of the 40s and 50s. Because if you look at the, oh. the action, yeah, if you look at the action sequences, they all have cliffhangers in them. And, you know, they're all self-contained action set pieces. Uh, it's just such a great movie. And, uh I just everything about it, even thinking about it makes me smile. Just the, the, it's just why, why that's why you go to the movies is a movie like that. I think that's- there are so many people that walked out of this film and Star Wars and became filmmakers. 
I, yeah, I agree with that. And it's like, it's like the first time people realized, wow, a director really does have a lot to do with how these films are made. And they walked away going, I want to do that. And I think yeah. a lot of generations came out of that um, with that. Because this was, when you see this for the first time and like seeing Star Wars for the first time, it literally blows you away. It's like, wow, I didn't know this could be this much fun to be in yeah. a movie theater. And you know, and- my favorite scene in that movie is uh, where she is drinking the hymn under the table with the Trying whiskey. Trying to, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love going, that. That was the bar, Her bar scene. Yeah. Yeah, the bar the- scene or when she was with uh, Bullock? Bullock. And she's trying to get him drunk. Yeah. Which scene, Deb? No, when she's, uh, when we first see Karen. Okay, when she, in the bar. When she beats the, the, yeah, she beats yeah. the um, other person. Uh, who, who didn't, what guy in my, my age, our age, didn't fall in love with Karen Allen, too, from that film? Karen yeah. Allen yeah. became everybody's right. girlfriend, boyfriend, girlfriend. You know, it, um, it's funny. Um, you know, you talk about Spielberg making um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Part of it was, it was kind of an interesting thing. He wanted to show, he, he went into it with a very, specific mindset he wanted to show the theaters he could make a movie on budget and on time because after Dolls was way over budget and over schedule but made more money than anyone had ever seen so nobody cared same thing with close encounters over budget over schedule more money than anyone could care about and then he made 1941 that went over budget and over schedule and nobody went to see it so he kind of had to be like okay i gotta show these guys so if you ever watch like the making of it from like 1981 they talk about how like Hey, we blew up this truck, you know, in one scene, but we made sure to use it for the other scene. So they were like shooting things and and all movies are shot out of sequence, not all, but most are shot out of sequence anyway, but they were doing it to make sure that, Hey, we're not going to just blow up this truck and then have to spend another 20 grand on another truck. And it was all that kind of stuff. Plus it's just, um, it goes, it's so fast. It's so, it's so great. You know? Well, and it's lightning in a bottle. You also had Harrison Ford at the top of his game too. And his charm (laughs) and what he, the way he pulled off some of the stuff in here and he's just, you just wanted to be that guy. You wanted to be. And he was not the first out. choice. Uh, uh, it was, it was Tom, Selleck, right? Tom Selleck Tom was Selleck. the first choice, yeah. but Magnum PI wouldn't let him out of his contract. I oh. could see him oh. doing that too. He would have been good. He at could. That it too. would be. It would be different. Yeah, it would different. definitely be different. But it'd still be great. I think it would have been maybe not as good, but I think it would have been really, really good. But you're right. It's Harrison Ford's vulnerability as right, the character exactly. that makes mm-hmm. that so interesting to watch because you, you kind of feel like. He's the reluctant hero in the piece. You know what I mean? Well, he's and, kind of like, he knows what he's doing, but he's also got weaknesses and he falls down right. the pits yeah. and all that stuff happens. And I well, love, and it starts saying. right at the beginning when he, the sand thing, when he's figuring out the weight of the gold thing. That and he realizes is just, that whole scene wrong. is incredible. Yeah. yeah. It, it that's really right. like, Alfred yeah. Molina's first film too. That's right. Really? That's plays right. the guy that yeah. spiders all over him. Mm-hmm. That comes okay, in another scene I love is when he got the big guy with the turban and he's got his swords and he's going like this all fancy. <laughs> he just pulls out his... his and we all know why he did that, right? Because everybody right. knows the He was sick story. as a dog. Sick, Harrison Ford do. was sick as a dog and couldn't do the fight. They had a very elaborate fight scene with right. that guy on the sword. And, that, and Harrison Ford says... Me? That no. was the scene that I think really... Brought the, the film yeah. to life. It that was the right scene. Should that, that in the theater was hilarious. Brought the yeah. house down. Brought the house yeah. down. That scene, and it was because he was sick. I mean, that's what when I mean, this movie. I saw this. Okay, when this first came out, obviously I saw it in the movie theater. The scene where the, everybody cheered was the most um, unrealistic scene when they're looking for him on the boat, 
and they go find find uh, Indiana Jones. He goes, I found him, and he points to the submarine, mm-hmm. and he's climbing up on the submarine. The audience went crazy. I mean, absolutely went crazy right as the dive bell is sounding on the submarine that they're going to dive, and he's managing to hold on to the thing. So it's complete. I mean, talk about suspending your disbelief, but all people cared about was he, he's going on the ship. He's going to be able to save it, and they went crazy. And yeah. I remember that to this day, and that was 81. That came out in 81. Yeah. So it was just – and I, and I saw it. I think I saw it when, in the initial run. I think I saw it 10 times in the movie theater. Uh, in a very short time span. Well, Star Wars, I saw in 1977 and 78, I saw it 214 times. I saw Star Wars. That is insane. Okay, yeah. that's insane. Be- because it was just like, I know. It, that's- it took me to a place that I, I, I always like science fiction, like with Star Wars, but I never thought it could be like that. I mean, I was used to oh, TV Star Trek. The two moons, right? Yeah, the with the ship. The two moons. It was that like- first scene. We did that in the scene, you know, that scene with the, with the thing. And it's the same thing with, with Raiders, that opening scene sets up the roller coaster ride that you're about to experience, right? No, the, just the tension they build. No. They never show his face where you see the gun, you see the map until the guy tries to shoot him. Then he whips him. Then he turns around and the smoke's behind him and he walks into the frame and there's Harrison Ford in all his glory. It was just. And just the way am- they use the snake punchline to come up later, yeah. it's just, yeah. it's all good. Um, you really need to check out the black and white version of that. It's stunning. <laughs> it is stunning. Yeah, but, because, but if Spielberg wanted film, them black and white, he would have made it black and white. Spielberg loved. Spielberg said he shot it as if he was shooting black and white. The way he really, it. and you can see that when uh, I think uh, when, when they created the black and white version, you can see how gorgeous it is. It's gorgeous because that all film right, is I'll all shadows. If you think about yeah, that, no, film, it's it all is. light. No, and absolutely. Yeah. So one other absolutely. thing I want to say about the movies we all picked which is fascinating. I think Debbie started it. They're all basically relation. They're films with, with a pretty heavy relationship in there. Mm-hmm. All of them. Yeah. Right? yeah. You know, mine was the two, the cop, you guys, I mean, the hidden was the relationship well, between lethal the cop weapon and the terminator. That's what I mean. It's I mean, all if you think about these aliens, any great movie and, is about relationships. Well, the, the good action being movies obvious, that work but have some heart to them. Yep. You, you don't. And, and there's more than just the action for the sake of the action. That's but, the difference. I but think. you don't expect them in a. In, in, when you think of action films, you don't go, "Hey, that's a relationship film." And right. Debbie nailed it with Die Hard, which <laughs> not a Jeff Speakman movie. No, really, no relationship. Even Hard Target. Even Hard Target. I mean, he had a relationship. Why do they call you Chance? My mommy took one. <laughs> Love he, that. Was he Cajun? He was Cajun. Yeah, he was. That's oh. why they had to do it for his action. Yeah, I heard. They had to, yeah. Anyway, I think that was a good. That was a good run. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. Like the, the, it's so many, so many yeah. movies we could. Hey, and we left. I'm going to do this for Drew because I knew. And this. Oh is yeah, Mad Max. Choice. Yeah, yeah. Is a uh, Mad Max, not Mad Max, but. but uh, the Road Warrior. The Road yeah. Warrior. No, yeah, great movie. I saw that when I was in film school. Oh, really? I got a um, pass to see it. And, you know, it's like how Drew goes on about uh, Mad Max. It was just like pure cinema. I had never seen it. I was a senior in film school in college or something at the time. and I had the I same feeling when I saw that. People. that. That movie was transgressive. What talk about and we had like the little posters that they gave out. I think it was first of us saw it, me and some other had like a sneak preview. So they give you the little posters and this yeah. hung them up in the film lab. I mean, that film was just unbelievable. Well, that was, was a movie that after I saw it, I want to know how they made it. 
because yeah. I couldn't believe the stuff they were doing yeah. practically. It's also you know the know first I mean? time I remember in a film where they pull the rug out from under you right in front of you with that scene where he takes a truck oh, out at the end. Right. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> you never saw that coming. And, you know, yeah. to pull that off was pretty amazing. And, mm-hmm. uh, just, and just, Mel Gibson, a, Mel Gibson had like twenty lines in the whole movie. Yeah, it's and he was such great. A great film, such a yeah. you're right. Good, good, yeah. good call. All right, so but that I is funny when you go back and look. When you rabbit hunt, like we always do in these things, you forget. You forget all the great action movies that came out in the eighties. You really do forget it. But I tell you, it was just like unremitting action films in the eighties. All testosterone, baby. Theaters every weekend. There was an action movie, and they were all packed. The movie theaters were packed when these movies came out. I'm Opening telling you, night. I'm going to send you the, the, the TV commercial from The Hidden. Those were all the guys <laughs> that saw those films, okay? I'll send them to you. You guys are going to love them. So, yeah, all right, I mean, let's uh, let's uh, spin the wheel for the next. We'll do a couple more round robins, right? Let's do it. good with this? I'm out next week. Let's do it. Spin. You're out next week, Chris? Yeah, unfortunately. All right. The whole week? That's fine. What if we switch the day? Uh, You're a big part of this, Chris. I'm busy. On, well, we'll okay. talk. All, all right, right. So it'll so just be the, it'll just be the four of us. Oh man, that's going to be fun. All right, here we go. Let's Pick see. something that good. Pick something good. Unless it's bad nuns and then Drew will show up. <laughs> oh, inspired, inspired by, by true, true events. Okay. Wow. That could be pretty much anything. Yeah. Except it has to be true. Well, yeah. Other than that, <laughs> other than that little detail. So, uh, oh, that's interesting. That that could be a good one. I mean, let's that theoretically. Could, that could be a biography. Zodiac is inspired by true events, right? Right. right. That's what are I'm you bringing. Calling that one now. I'm bringing Zodiac. You are. You're already calling it. Already called it. No, you got to think about that. Rob. I just thought of it. That's what I'm bringing. So. Zodiac's pretty great. Yeah, it is. But it's I a know serial killer movie. Is one of your favorite films. So. It's it is one of my faves. So I'm bringing that one. You guys can tell me later what you want to bring, but that's all right. Okay, excellent, Chris. Uh, uh, If you were going to be on it, what would you bring? Oh man, Uh, that's a tough one. I would probably end up going with something like um, I don't know. It's all right. You know what? Think about it. Let us know, and we'll we'll mention it during the show. Sounds good. Sounds good. Now, all I ask, if we're going to do that, all I ask is that you subscribe. You hit the notification <laughs> button and you smash the like button because it really does make a difference. Again, you're and talking hope, to you're talking to everybody or just us here. I'm talking to collectively everybody. Okay, all of you. I hate to keep reminding you. people that we all need to hit the like button. It, our, our subscriptions are going up, and it really does make a difference on the algorithm. So please, like I got it, very excited it. when I saw that comment on one, and I realized it was Sean. <laughs> Sean hey, commenting on our own stuff. Listen. It's like uh, any press is good press. Any comment is good comment. Who cares? I'm waiting for Debbie to comment on something. I don't even think she watches the show. I bet she doesn't. You did? All right. I watched it already. Every week is our show. Well, Jen, uh, Chris's wife, Jen, was very excited when I told her, yes, this lives on iTunes podcasts. Mm -hmm. Anybody that has iTunes can get any podcast iTunes feeds it to all of them, which is how we do it. Yeah, but it's definitely a visual show. It's definitely a visual show. That's right. All I can say is most people I know who are not Debbie and I and not one of the podcast I know listen to it. Yeah. They don't watch it. I what did most- you think of those palm trees last week? They were. That, it was beautiful. 
Where, I'm so jealous. Oh, that's that guy going from one beautiful. I'm so I know. I'm so jealous. I want to go yeah, away so here. bad. Yeah. All right, listen. Have a great week, everybody. Yeah, great show. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll see Do you I guys. Creeping in now. Creeping in. We'll see you on the next one. All right. Runaway train and the killer. Gotta watch this. See you later, guys. Good night. See ya.